Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art that's available in the comic book industry. From trivia to book discussions and to interviews, this is Indie Comics. Hello, everybody. 2018 is here. New us, new Indie Comics. Yay. We're not really that new. We're the same old Indie Comics, but it's exciting and fresh. Well, yeah, but kind of stole my thunder there it's all about new and everything that's what the new year is about and everything so you kind of just ruined it there but it's all it's okay whatever (laughs) but yeah so yeah we're we're still into comics we're still bringing it to you we're getting all the latest juiciest interviews with some wonderful people and we're going to start it off uh, today aren't we and who who do we have with us today uh, hi, this is Carly Houston, creator of Heavy Vinyl. Woo-hoo! Heavy Vinyl, yes. So wonderful. So wonderful. <laughs> We're very excited thank to have you. you. Yes, we are very thank excited you. to have uh, you. And, thank uh, you so much for, for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. Trust, <laughs> trust us on this. And, uh, well, it's uh, it's quite wonderful. When I came across your book, I just, you know, I mean, I had never heard it before. And then I, I looked more into it. And I'm thinking, like, wow, she really got into this going all out when she came into comics so it kind of it kind of gets me to wonder um you know how did your love of comics begin really oh man i loved comics from a really early age i was um sort of a uh, there's you might hear a dog that's (laughs) one of the dogs i see that dog (laughs) he just moved into frame so had to introduce him um does he like does he like comics too (laughs) he loves comics (laughs) He looks, but, like he, uh, he looks like he might. His favorite's Batman, so he's not. He's more into superhero kind of. Oh, there we go. Stuff. Um, I actually, so I grew up on, uh, basically on Batman, um, Batman comics, and a couple other couple other books I used to read. But I was a huge Batman fan as a kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just so into Batman, the movies and the the old nineteen sixty six TV series was in reruns, so I kind of grew up watching that, which is. So strange and wonderful and delightful, um, and I bet the and, and I bet the uh, animated Bruce Tim series also was very formative for you as well. Very much so. The X Men animated series was pretty yes. formative. Oh, so good. Um, so good. They're both so good. Um, and you know, and I was also into like like Calvin and Hobbes and Snoopy and Farside. Like I grew up on you know those kind of those kind of comic strips, and then in the newspapers and then bought every single book and collection that they oh, made. Oh yeah, definitely. Now, having like, said that, you were venturing towards some uh, some real uh, outworld type of comics. You had like Calvin and Hobbes going on there. Did those kind of eventually stoke your love of like a uh, real independent ty- style comics? Did that or did that come later on? And that that came more later on for me, I think. I I uh so I sort of was really into comics in like middle school and then when I got into high school it sort of fell off a little bit and then you know, as an adult started getting back into it, like an adult in my thirties in the last few years, started getting back into reading them again and, and just becoming so enamored with so, so many like amazing titles and amazing things that are happening right now in comics. It's kind of um, funny cause that's how it was with me too. So I can definitely yeah. relate to that. There was like a whole dry period that I didn't do much reading at all. And then yeah. around the late twenties, it kind of just stoked up again. And that was pretty much all like, you know, how much time did I lose? Pretty much. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I relate to that very much. What got you into comics writing then? Um, it was sort of an accident. Um, I was, I had somehow the opportunity to, to pitch an idea to boom studios, uh, came up and I had been sort of 
toying around with this idea. You know, my background is uh, filmmaking, directing, producing like short form and longer form content. Right. Um, so I had this idea for this like, you know, group of high school girls in the 90s just because I kind of wanted to go back and explore that period of my life again, being in high school in the 90s, in the late 90s. Um, and they were they were spies or they were crime fighters or they had powers or something related to to like where the book wound up being. But I always assumed it would be something I would turn into a film or a yeah. TV, you know, something like that, like along the lines of what I was already doing. I never thought I would actually have the opportunity to pitch and then write a comic book. So yeah. when that happened, I was like, wait, what if maybe this is a cool idea? Knowing, you know, Boombox and, you know, the sort of like the, the young adult reader market and kind of where they're, you know, their books all like definitely feel like a, a collection of titles together. And, you know, when I was thinking about that, I was like, maybe this would be right up your alley. And they loved it. And so here we are. <laughs> That's what I especially love about it too, and I noticed that you really wanted to focus on uh, sc um, school in the '90s because you know you're essentially my you're, you're essentially my age group as well. Because I was uh, I I started high school in '94 and graduated '98, so we'd be relatively around the same time. So yep. looking yeah. at all this and looking at all you came to be about, it's like oh, it just takes me back. So if anything, this was if anything this was nostalgic for me is what it was hearing well, about this. That's, I'm glad you said that because I was hoping that it would be something that would be relatable and nostalgic to people in my age range, people that were in high school in the 90s and sort of came of age in that very weird time period. We're sort of in this weird generation where we grew up without the internet. Yeah. And yes, then, exactly. And, and then we were like the last generation to grow up without the internet. Pretty and much. cell phones, the, the, you know, Im immediate accessibility of every possible thing we could ever imagine we could ever need or not need at our fingertips. So, uh, we're like that weird generation where we sort of like learned it. Yeah. We pretty, yeah, yeah we as, were the like, last yes. young adult. Yeah. And then like everybody younger than us is sort of like, I mean, everyone older than us is just like, what's going on. Everyone younger than us is kind of like, you guys are weird. And, uh, exactly. it's, it's funny so there was something I don't know I, it's just I, I kind of got into a place where I wanted to explore the 90s again but specifically the music of the 90s the pop culture of the 90s yes. and what I what I I think aspirationally wanted to be in the 90s uh like a much cooler version of who I was <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, that's what like fiction's for, right? It's to recreate right? our yeah. own <laughs> fantasies. Well, what what about that period in your life kind of drew you into writing for it? Like, what called to you, and what did you kind of learn about yourself in the process of writing it? Then, this is a very good question. Um, I was drawn to it because, I mean, I I just like I just I, I still listen to so much music that was so popular. And like, I, I have these like 90s playlists. It's a and good I'm time for music. Constantly, I feel like everything I do, every project I take on, every like, you know, friend I have around my age range, I feel like we have so many similar cultural touchstones and reference points. Mm. Yes. And it was just sort of like becoming this weird thing where like I, I kept like, and it was also like, like everything from the nineties, it's having, it's like 20, 25th, whatever year anniversary. Like every year there's like yeah. another huge movie or album exactly. that's getting a re-release. Like last year they re-released the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack, yeah. which mm -hmm. was a huge, huge moment in pop for me. And that also influenced <laughs> so the book in a very huge way. 
um, pretty obviously. And so like, it's just so suddenly was like in my face again, like all the 90s stuff I loved was like, it was back and that kind of drew me back in. And then just thinking about like, what if I had been a, a more self-aware, confident person? All I wanted to do was work in a record store, mm. but I never did. And, and you know, I wanted to, I wish I could have been out at a younger age, but I wasn't. And so I look back on those times and, and you know, I, I think that's kind of like where this all really kind of came from. It's a really rambly answer, but uh, it came from, from like a very real place. And then I got to just sort of like have fun with it and go crazy. To that point, then, kind of, I think that that speaks to, like, a really important issue, too, and that, like, this is for so many age ranges. Like, it's specifically for kind of, you know... I like how you said some right there. (laughs) I said so many, so many age ranges. You know, like, there's so many people that can take a lot from this, but you look at the people who grew up in the 90s, but then also the people who are growing up now and can read it. And, like, what do you hope that they bring from it then? And this is kind of you looking at it aspirationally of what you wish that you had experienced then. Like, what do you hope that they can get from it in reading? I think at the heart of it, it's still a pretty relatable, straightforward, you know, coming of age, high school kid story, you know, like yeah. trying to find your place in the world, trying to figure out who you are, the crush on the friend. You know? A very universal kind of theme almost really. It doesn't necessarily have to yeah. apply just to the 90s really. Totally. Which, which, I, which I love about it. Exactly. So I think that's, I think that's what I hope, you know, and, and what, I, what people of, of any – age range could take from it um yeah (laughs) but uh you know with that said i like how in essence actually when you're answering that question right there you're actually pretty much answering one of the questions i was already going to (laughs) ask in that how you feel heavy vinyl brings to the realm of indie comics something unique and i think that's what it did right there you just answered it right there with your personal experiences of bringing the nostalgic 90s back into on, on print and everything like that, which is amazing. But let's look at it from the other side now. With regard to other work that you have done, how does your approach to comic writing differ compared to other projects that you've worked on in the past? Obviously, this is your first comic, but you've done other things before. So I kind of want to see what's the, what's, what are the differences um, between that that you, that you faced head on when you were doing this? Well, it, um, it definitely... Well, the cool thing about coming from my, my background kind of lent itself really nicely to comics, which I was a little nervous about at first. But once I got wrote my first script and got more comfortable with the format and everything and kind of got into a groove, it totally clicked. Um, you know, I'm a really visual person. I'm a director. So um, it was just really just tweaking, thinking about things in terms of a moving frame and just thinking about them in terms of a still frame, you know, like... My first script, the first draft, I turned in in a screenplay format just because that was like the, the most accessible way my brain had to start it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my my editor, Shannon Waters, who's amazing, um, she was like, this is great. Now I'm going to do like the first page. This is what it should look like. I'm going <laughs> to like reformat page one and then you can see how it works. And now like you can do all the all my the notes for this, like the next round of revisions and like rewrite it in this format. And I was like, okay, I totally get it now. Like I see how it translates. It makes sense. Yeah. The hardest part for me was really, um, picking like really picking like what image or like, like trying to cram so much into a page. Cause I'm so used to a moving frame where you can do a lot of cuts. You can fit a lot in visually. Um, and you need to really be really incredibly selective with what you put on paper and 
it was it was really a fun and interesting thing to get to experience and I can't wait to do more but uh that was the biggest like challenge was like okay Carly you can't keep like cutting the things you know <laughs> like it's like this is the this is like your shot it's your frame and so training my brain to think that way um was the biggest challenge but but again as a person who's primarily a visual thinker and communicator overall it wasn't it wasn't too crazy for me what was your like biggest surprise in the process oh man biggest surprise um how I was not very good initially at estimating what like each book was 22 pages and we did four books yeah. and I was really bad at estimating what 22 pages looked like in my <laughs> outline for the series. I was like, okay, this is first issue, second, third, fourth. And then once I wrote the first two, I was like, Oh, I totally did not understand like the idea. Of <laughs> what I was like, Oh, this is totally wrong. And like, then like kind of reworking and moving things around and stuff. So I was like, okay, now, and I get it now, you know, now that, I, that I've done a few, but that was really funny, just sort of looking at it like, like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> like how it's all part of the learning curve, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I can look at a script and understand how it'll play out on screen. It's like second nature to me, because I'm doing it for such a long time. Right. And then for this is a bit of a learning curve with pacing. And, uh, so I, I definitely, I learned a lot there. So that was, a, I didn't think that would be like a thing, but it was definitely <laughs> a thing. That, that's pretty cool, actually. Now, coming back to an earlier point that you were talking about, you said you were very visual, obviously, with regard to a lot of what you were doing. Now, one thing that I noticed when I was looking at, um, at this particular book, because obviously comics are not just a whole lot of written stuff, but it's also very visual as well. You worked with Nina Vacueva, I think is her name. Now, yes. her artwork, when I looked at this, it just it blew me away because I immediately started he hearing um, Losing My Religion by R.E.M. in my head. And then <laughs> I was imagining wearing my, you know, my loose jeans that I used to wear in the 90s <laughs> and everything when I would stop off to like uh, Goodies Records or something. And then I immediately thought. What ruined your decision to have her be the penciler? I mean, it's like you 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 hit it spot on. I mean, seriously, you couldn't have made a better decision right here. I just want to see how it came about. Um, honestly, I that was a that really came from from Boom and their like really good team over there that's really really good at finding new talent and right. finding and putting teams together. And you know, they showed me her work. They were like, "Hey, what do you think of of Nina? Like, she might be someone to to consider to be your uh, to be the illustrator." And I looked at her work, and I was just like, blown away. Like, like what you were saying. Like, it's Gorgeous. just I was like, "Whoa!" Like, this is gonna bring something totally different to this project that I don't know that I ever even imagined would be there. Like, this this her style, and it's just her facial. Like, the way she captures facial expressions is yes. so incredible. Like she brought so much stuff, so many things to life that I just blew me away. Like even, even like going above and beyond once we had already done a book, you know, once I'd already seen her work and we'd already been working together, still she would find ways to like surprise me. Just like <laughs> for the, for the final book, there was like some of the, especially like the first few pages where we sort of like take a look at each person's morning and like get a glimpse of like what each character's up to. I really, I was really vague in the script. I was like, just like describing what was what we would see. And I was like, I think like give each one their own page, 
go crazy, like change the format, do whatever you want. And the stuff she did with that was so cool. And she just, yeah. So she just is super, super talented. I was super lucky to get to work with her. Very, very much so, actually. Like I said, you, you, you couldn't have been any more perfect to convey the image you were trying to do with your story right there. I applaud yeah. you for that. It's amazing. Well, thank um, you. Really, the, the thank you goes to, to Nina. <laughs> you had your own local girl, girl gang. Um, what do you feel, kind of to that point, um, what do you feel is the most empowering about the story of heavy vinyl and what do you hope people from take, take from it? We kind of talked about this a little bit before, but to that point, I mean, I think it's a great story and it's something that everybody can relate to. Um, but what do you feel is kind of your biggest point from it? Well, the, the themes, like the biggest theme for me that I was trying to explore was the idea of control and how when you're a teenager, when you're in high school, especially you've, you've, you're at a time where you're trying to figure out who you are. And so there was a lot of like music store as metaphor genres of music as, you know, types of personality almost, um, which was really something I related to a lot and kind of came from my own experience in high school, just like bouncing around from different music genres and finding, different friend groups and then like dressing differently. Like it's such a weirdly specific high school kind of thing. (laughs) Um, I don't even think that's unique to the nineties. I think that's, that's probably still going on. Um, as I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not in high school, not a teen anymore. (laughs) I do feel like that's pretty universal. So there was this idea of, of music as this way of finding yourself and almost like sorting yourself into a group based on, a, a genre or type of music you like, yeah. but then at the same time realizing that that's not like one fixed identity and that you can move through those worlds. And I think that was sort of what the Chris character who was sort of the, the me in the book was kind of searching for. She was sort of like, I need the, everyone seems to have their, their whole thing figured out, but, mm-hmm. but no one does. You're a teenager. You don't know anything. And, but everything feels really serious and big, even if it's just like, what album am I buying? And if I'm going to wear this band's t-shirt, like right. what are people going to think of me? Yeah. Um, those are things that occupy a lot of your time and yet are the most inconsequential types of things. So there was some of that. And then I guess, yeah, my biggest like theme in this is control. So like when you're in high school and you're a teenager, you are grasping for control. You're trying to figure out who you are. You're becoming an adult. You want more responsibility. You're possibly going away for the first time to college and in a year or something like that. For me, I, you know, I left high school and I went a thousand miles away to college. So I was like living away from home for the first time. I think there are many people that have experiences like that. And so I wanted to kind of get into just this idea of like, how do you, how do you have any control over what's going in your lo- on in your life when you're a teenager and you have absolutely no control yeah. between school and parents and preparing for the future and all this sort of stuff that that is still like huge and daunting. It feels huge and daunting to me now, even when I think back <laughs> on it. Totally. I'm like, man, glad I don't have to do that again. You know, <laughs> like right? Yeah, so, I would not go back if I had the chance. Yeah. So I think like <laughs> the the pressures of of being a teen, I, I was sort of trying to take that apart and look at it a little bit. Uh, you know, like how Buffy used to use the the monsters as the metaphor. Yeah. Right. The teenage experience, you know, there's a little bit of that. You know, it's set in a record store, so there's a little Empire Records. Um, <laughs> but it's all girls because I wanted to see, I wanted to see a group of girls uh, 
and one dopey guy. <laughs> lovely, lovely boy. <laughs> True. Well, yeah, and I feel like music especially is such a unique thing to focus on um, because, I mean, it is. It's like when you're, I don't know, what Starbucks and that one song from your childhood comes on and you're like, oh, my gosh, and you're, like, back in that moment. Like, it doesn't matter that it's been 20 years. Like, you feel exactly the way you felt when you used to listen to it all the time, and I think it's such a weird time capsule <laughs> in that way, and and it does. It defines you, and, and it creates a community in a way, and... Um, I, I think that's really unique and, and it's you're, a cool thing to, to get into. You're so right. Like that's totally how I feel. Uh, music is such a, it's also really universal. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, thinking back to a time, like, like obviously setting something in a different time period without the obvious, like, like you're trying to like solve this crime, but you have no like internet or yeah. well, I mean, the internet, <laughs> like very rudimentary <laughs> and no, like. You know, it's nothing like what we have now. Like, so just the, the, that was kind of like a fun challenge of like mm -hmm. putting myself back in that time period and having to write around all the obvious, like, just text them. Yeah. Like, we don't know where the rest of the group went or something. You could text them. No, you can't text them. You have to do something else. And so like the idea of music as this universal thing and thing that can unify people from completely disparate backgrounds, um, obviously predates the internet and was a huge part of of finding identity and finding a place, um, for me at least. And, and I think for a lot of others, um, when I was uh, in high school, even now it's like that culture that comes out. Like I, I will confess now to everyone. I have recently gotten into country and I grew up in San Diego, which awesome. I don't know that environment. It's like, you don't like country there. Like you just don't, it doesn't happen. You say like, you're like, what kind of kind of music do you listen to? And you go like, Oh, everything but country. Like, obviously nobody likes country right. here. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was just this thing. And so that's how I grew up. And it, you know, it was the, the forbidden territory. And like, just within the last year, it was, it started actually because of the morning talk show hosts. They were the only ones that played music reliably. And so I started listening to it just because it was music to listen on my uh, drive to work. And I started liking it. And then it was kind of this like secret shame thing where I was like, oh, I, I, I listen to country. And like, and, and then. Don't dare mention it. Right. But yeah. It, but, but now. It happens. Recently, like I'm. Right. Well, now recently, like, I'm proud of it. I'm like, yeah, I listen to country. Like, I'll talk about it. But I found, like, a couple of friends that I didn't know were into it. And, you know, a song comes on and we're both like, oh, I love this song. And I'm like, you love this song? I love this song. And it's this great, like, all of a sudden you're bonding over something. And it's such a simple thing, but it brings people together and it creates this really interesting bond. And I think it's so special and it's cool to be able. I mean, you're writing a comic book where there's no music. You know, like versus a film or something, you can play the music. Right. So it's, yeah. it's such a unique format to be talking about the power of music. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Th thank you. Um, yeah. It's it's really nice in terms of like um, the amount of money it would cost to like clear the right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not having to go through that because that's where my brain goes after a decade in like film and television. But totally. Yeah. Plus for me, it's just fun because then I got to like shout out bands that I liked and like plant little pop cultural things, little Easter eggs. At some point I'm going to, I want to go through, I haven't done it yet. And just like make a list of like every like dumb reference I put in those four issues. Amazing. Um, heavy uh, vinyl Spotify playlist. Does it exist? It does exist. Yes. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Oh. Everybody go look it up immediately. <laughs> if you, if you can't find it, I can just send a direct link also. Um, it, it will be on the grandgeekgathering.com. Check it out people. <laughs> it, uh, it's, it was so fun to put that together. 
Um, I'd already had a playlist I had had for a few months that I was just like using when I was writing to like get back in the nineties mindset and, and kind of in that, the right vibe. Um, and then, uh, someone at boom was like, Oh, do you have a playlist? It'd be cool when we, when the first issue comes out, if we like sent it to some, some of the comic book shops, they could play it or people could listen to it. I was like, Oh, it's a great idea. And then it became like my focus for like two, (laughs) like, like weeks, like, I, I built the main playlist and then I just kept adding things. So there's like over 150 songs. Yes. I gave myself God, really specific rules. There's really specific rules. Every artist can only be on there once, Ooh. except I think Slater Kenny might be on there twice, but I gave myself uh, an out. And um, all the songs had to be really time specific. So they had to be from like mid 1998 or later. Mm. Or sorry, earlier. Yeah. Um, so or, they okay. actually would have been able to they, so they would be relevant in the world that the book is set in which uh is in like the fall of 1998 that's awesome so i gave myself really specific rules i love it everybody go listen to it immediately after listening to this <laughs> really good time what's your favorite like if you had to pick a band or a song is there something in particular that really like holds power for you oh my god i know i mean how much time do you have like <laughs> I could be here all day. There's 150 um, I'll, I'll of them. The, I'll do the abridged version. Um, there is a Baruch Assault song called Volcano Girls. Uh, that was, yes. Um, honestly, when I pitched the book, the working title was Volcano Girls. Uh, um, <laughs> that's a fun fact. Um, but that has nothing to do with anything related to the plot <laughs> of the book. So like, maybe we should make it something easier for people to find. So that makes sense. But uh, <laughs> that song... Um, just Slater Kinney as a band was very formative for me. Um, and Garbage as a band yes. was mm-hmm. super, super important to me. Um, and then this totally random punk band called Tilt was, um, I was obsessed with this band. <laughs> and like the the um, Rosie character in the book, is sort of based on the lead singer of the band a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and some other people, but, like, the idea of her initially came from the lead singer of this punk band, Tilt, who was this woman who's amazing and went by the name Cinder Block. Yes. And I <laughs> thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever heard at the time. That's amazing. Yeah. Those uh, those would probably be the, the big touchdowns for me, music-wise. That's awesome. That's pretty cool, especially when you're looking at how music was a very formative part of all this. Now, what I want to go is I want to go the next step up. And <laughs> we've looked at, you know, who a lot of music influences, but who are some of your literary and or artistic influences that helped kind of that helped kind of bring this all in about and, you know, help form the book and continue to influence you every single day? Well, in terms of this particular project, you know, everything I do usually ends up with with depending on what it is and where it's going and the themes, wildly different uh, influences and references. Um, This book particularly was really inspired by my love of, I guess, three things, three or four things. Movie Empire Records, the uh, celebrated anime Sailor Moon. Yes. (laughs) Um, Oh, Maddie's really happy right now. I just bought Hot Topic and Box Lunch today, came out with Sailor Moon Collections. I literally oh, ha- just got out of bed, hadn't even like gotten ready for work, and was like, "This is a priority," and ordered a bunch of Sailor Moon jewelry. It's fine. That's amazing. Um, Free ad for Hot Topic. The, uh, the book series and TV series and film, uh, <laughs> Babysitters Club. Yes, was 
uh, hugely influential on this particular uh, project. I don't know. I, and then I just watched a lot of like a lot of uh, teen teen comedy movies in the '90s. That was that was a big time for that type of film. Um, so all of those movies were were huge, just kind of influences in in the back of my head on just like it's a group of teens doing stuff, you know, like they talk like teens and and just sort of putting. <laughs> You know, coming up with the group dynamic and like right. putting in those classic '90s stereotypes of the group of like a group in the '90s doing something, <laughs> yeah. um, and then trying to find ways to subvert or flip them a little bit here and there. Um, so yeah, for for this specific thing, I would say the influences were a lot of like '90s teen movies, and then like Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was it hard to like go back to that? Like, because I feel like sometimes people are like, well, what's hip and cool with kids? And I'm like, I have no idea. But like going back to your own childhood, I mean, childhood, teenagehood. Um, but like, was it kind of an immediate like you felt like you were back there or did it take a little research or? Um, well, I, I have no idea what teens now are saying Me or neither. talking about or thinking about. So it was um, a nice uh, it was really nice to set it in 1998. <laughs> so that I just go back to what I remembered. Um so it was it was a fun sort of like the lead up to the to just like writing the outline for the four issues and like pulling visual references for the covers and the characters yeah. and everything. That was a fun kind of research period for me of a couple of weeks of just like sort of resubmerging myself in that and yeah. going back like rewatching and researching and and going back. It, it's it was fun to go back and like look at exactly what was happening in the middle of uh, middle to late nineteen ninety eight. Because, yeah. um, you know, like that was right before. Oh, there's like some. There was, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember any of it now. But like, there's a couple things, like a couple songs I couldn't put on the playlist or like a movie I wanted to mention in the script that I couldn't because it didn't come out until like 99. So, like, Ugh. little stuff like that. Like, yeah. just like remembering exactly when things happened. Um, that was an important part of my research process, like rewatching old movies and, and just listening to that music all the time. Yes. That's awesome. A lot of 90s music. <laughs> um, so here it is, our epic question. Um, <laughs> this can epic be one. fun. This can be bitter. This can be whatever it is. Um, what is the worst review you have ever gotten? Uh, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> oh, man. We're seated. You so know it's going to be interesting when it always begins with, Okay. <laughs> All right, so there is one blog or site or whatever that um, we're about hates to troll this book so much, <laughs> <laughs> and it it's it started off as I was kind of like sad because you know just like reading like you know it's, it's you don't want to read that stuff but of course I read everything but you're not supposed to but I do anyway um, yeah and this is the first time something I've written and created has. I've made like everything I've directed or produced has been something someone else has written or something that like the writing of it was not in any way personal. Yeah. You know? So it was like, it was always like, I'm, I'm always, I was always really confident in my ability to like visually put something together that was good. Yeah. And generally speaking, people like not, not, none of my stuff has really been seen by like very large audiences. So I've never had to really deal with this that much. Um, but like the, my feature film that was on, that was out like two years ago. Um, generally got good reviews. Like the few reviews that we read, there was like one that was like really terrible. Um, 
But it was just like clearly this person was like not the audience. Yeah. <laughs> this was really not for specific you. film, and we're just like, oh, you hate it because like you are not the like it's you okay to not be the audience or something. Like I know I'm not the audience for a lot of stuff, but anyway, not the point. <laughs> so this is the first time really like putting like myself out there in a way that felt extremely vulnerable. Totally. And um, so I read every review, even though I shouldn't have. And overall, everything was like really positive and supportive and and really cool. And I was truly, truly like blown away by that. There is one uh, site or blog or whatever you want to call it that um, seems to want to like it, and and every, with every issue they just like find new problems, <laughs> and and it's it's become very funny to me because um, all of the things they have a problem with contradict another thing they had a problem with in the previous issue. Amazing. So, like, there was one time where, like, for the first issue, they thought there weren't enough 90s references. Mm. Then the second issue, there were far too many 90s references, uh. you know. <laughs> they had a specific That's mandate of nine, exactly nine per issue, and you went like, under it and then over it, and they were very offended. Like, look, <laughs> I'm just creating, like, a fun, silly thing that's, like, pure and cute, and, like, that's all it is. Like, it's not that big of a thing. And and it's a it's a group of people that that um want to help like promote female creators so by tearing them apart you know yeah (laughs) added kind of like slap in the face is is that um but all i can do at this point is laugh because like the some of the stuff they have written sounds like they're critiquing a a film for like a college paper right and it's like really not that deep like like this reference shouldn't have been made because it's more of a modern way of phrasing things. And I'm like, wow. Or, you know, just like a, yeah. a lot of assumptions that I've never had a chance to like, like they, they, they interview creators all the time, but they've never asked to talk to me or at all. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like that's fine. But also like having someone say cool, cool, cool was not at all a reference to Jake Peralta in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, that is not, Thank you, because that was immediately, I got that. Thank you. I'm watching it right now. It's an amazing show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, yeah, people so, said cool in the 90s, folks. Yeah, people said cool in the 90s a lot. Jake Peralta probably grew up in the 90s, folks. Yeah. So, you know, it's, Think about it. it was, it's, uh, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. Ha- you have to. You have to just take it and say, you know what, yeah. there's, like, always going to be somebody that doesn't like it for probably no good reason i mean people may have valid critiques of different things but like there's always no matter what it is they can be everybody's favorite movie and there's like one guy who's like nah that was trash and you're like sure that's why they call him that guy that's where the term comes from and we and you know we have uh we have twitter for all of us to scream into i have a lot of uh (laughs) very bold opinions i put on there too and i'm sure the people that i'm saying are talking about their films and their art would probably not want to read it. And what's your what's your Twitter Fine. Twitter handle so we can tell you that there's too many or not enough nineties references and everything. Oh, awesome! My on. Twitter handle is Carlytron. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Which is of course a reference to the early two thousands electro group Ladytron. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. That that's after nineteen ninety eight. I will not accept it. I know. I know. <laughs> something more nineties, I guess. We ran the whole thing. So we're all going to follow you on Twitter now, and we won't Please talk do. about it. Please do. I try to say fun, smart things. Uh, I try not to talk too much shit. <laughs> Just the right amount. Just the right amount of shit talking. 
Just the right amount. Well, that's good. So we definitely have gotten an insight into your influences. We've got an insight into your style. Now, there's a lot of writers out there that suffer from writer's block that prevents them from finishing stories. Now, in your case, when it comes to crunch time, how do you overcome it? Oh, I'm so bad. Like, <laughs> so my whole, my whole life, like, co- like school and college and then now as an adult and like trying to be a well-adjusted person who is responsible, I'm still one of the worst procrastinators I've ever encountered. Preaching of the it's choir. Just, it's just, there's a Calvin and Hobbes strip from a very long time ago. I know the one you're Calvin referencing. Paper, and he says that the mood under which he works best is last minute panic. Yep. <laughs> I've always related very, very strongly to that. I need a deadline. I need a little bit of a fire under my ass or I'm never going to get anything done. So I so your editor loves you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone over at Boom loves, uh, loves me. I, I was able to stay mostly on deadline, mostly. Um, mostly. But, but uh, when you're a procrastinator, you sort of put yourself in a position where if you have writer's block, you're really screwed because you don't yeah. have like the rest of the week to keep mulling right. over ideas in your head. You're like, no, it's due tomorrow. You're an idiot. You should have been working on this all week or all month. Um, so for me, um, writer's block is definitely a very real thing. Um, I found that I, I'm just really easily distracted. So I, I usually write everything in a Google Doc, but I will. I have an app on my computer that will blacklist me from certain websites for a certain period oh, of time. Smart. So mm. I will basically lock myself out of social media. Oh, okay. Anything like any site I know will be a distraction. So I'll block like obviously like Twitter, Facebook, whatever I know I'm gonna go try to look at <laughs> to distract myself. I put on my '90s playlist. I come in here, which the room I'm in is this uh, second bedroom guest room office in our house, and I shut the door, and I just I I have I get I have to get it done. Like I can't. You have to get it done. Yeah. You have. To, I sort of just bully myself into getting it done. Just do it is what it is. Yes, yeah, it's probably not the best method, but <laughs> I guess it works. The problem with being a procrastinator, but never. Like still getting it all done and doing a, and doing fine most of the time is that you never learn to not be a procrastinator. It works. <laughs> what is like your like best? Calvin said, I function best under last minute panic. So right. You know, and that's funny that too because out my creativity. And that's real funny too because I think you're the first one that we've actually interviewed that has openly admitted about the procrastination <laughs> kind of angle with that. So looking at it from that perspective, Respect. everyone else kinda, is lying. It gives exactly. mad respect to what it is. <laughs> What, what do you think? Especially since I'm the worst at it. What do you think is your best idea that you came up with because of last minute panic? Like, was there something that you're like, oh my God, this is brilliant and just ran with it? Oh, wow. That's what I'm here for. Shark and all. I'm going to talk about Sailor Moon. (laughs) Oh, come on. I don't even, I don't even know how to answer that. I mean, it's hard to tell, like, I'm like, let me look through issues of the book and see if all the specific idea having been like a real late edition. Because I feel like that's true, though. Like every now and then, like I have some of my best ideas because I'm like, all right, I'm just going to get this done. I'm just going to start writing something. And it ends up being like, you know, wow, that that was pretty good. I cannot think of a particular example, but that's definitely happened. And then then that just is another reinforcement that procrastination is great. Last minute panic, guys. It's fine. 
just get it done. It's not a healthy way to do anything, but it keeps things interesting. (laughs) Last minute panic and some time the next day to like sleep it off. In other words, yeah. the, in other words, the lesson, boys and girls, procrastination is fine as long as you get the shit done. Yeah. <laughs> procrastination is fine as long as you're still hitting your deadlines and your editor doesn't want to kill you. There you go. <laughs> um, speed round because I feel like it, Jeff. You can add okay. in whatever random questions. This I'm is ready. happening. Um, favorite sailor from Sailor Moon? Go. Jupiter. Ooh, nice answer. If you were to write for the big two, big two meaning either DC or Marvel, who would you, uh, who, what, what superhero or superheroine, whatever, would you want to write for? I'm tempted, uh, I'm tempted to think you would say Batman, but what if we choose to say anyone but Batman? I know. Well, Batman. the first one that popped in my head obviously was Batman. Um, right. Shoot. I mean, I've always uh, had a very soft spot in my heart for Gambit. Yes. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yes. So, um, yeah, I've always been like weirdly into Gambit. Gambit and Rogue forever. Yeah, Gambit and Rogue, right? Like they're kind of, they're the best. I think I would maybe, uh, that or I guess maybe Batgirl. Yeah, you would be so great for Batgirl. Batgirl, I I think you would be amazing at. Actually, you would do good at Batwoman too, I I think. You would do great at Batwoman. Go write some Batgirl. I just, I have such a deep, deep love for the entire Gotham City world, uh, especially the villains. What incredible. In that case, you've given me an idea here then. What villain would you like to write of the most then? And it could be a Gotham villain, but go right ahead. I mean, which Gotham (laughs) villain would be your choice to write? Okay, my. All-time, all-time favorite is actually the Riddler. Nice. Oh, yes. Tyler just got really excited because that's oh, his yeah. favorite. A- <laughs> oh, it's it. It's it. He's come back. Amazing. <laughs> I I am one of those people that actually loves the Riddler and also loves Batman Forever and Jim's, Jim yes. Carrey's Oh, portrayal. thank yeah. you. The sparkly thank outfit. I, I stand so hard for that movie. It's one of the most ridiculous movies. but It's, it's just fun. Different. There are some Amazing movies that you just have to watch for too. fun. Amazing soundtrack. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, personal theme song. Personal theme song. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, damn, what am I listening to right now? Speed round is Close. difficult. <laughs> uh, speed round it, but it's fun. Shit, I'm taking I'm taking the longest time at this speed That's round. Okay. Um, okay, hang on. I'm gonna find right now. Okay, right now. Yeah, it can be current. My personal theme song, I would say, uh, Los Angeles from the new. St. Vincent record. Nice. Um, but like all time personal theme song would I, like a some, some version, some something by Depeche Mode is my all time favorite band. Very nice. Favorite. You enjoy the silence pretty much. <laughs> favorite 90s movie. Favorite 90s movie. Uh, Empire Records. Solid. That's so cool. That, that was an, that was like a really obvious answer. But <laughs> that's our favorite comic. Uh, look at in the divine. Oh, nice. I'm so pumped for love, the holiday. Love, 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 love that book. Favorite independent comic. That's an independent comic. <laughs> Wicked and Divine is independent. Well, yeah. <laughs> Some so more independent. Yeah. Some more independent comics. <laughs> Probably your second favorite then. <laughs> well, I would say Moonstruck, but that's also Image. Oh yeah, that but that that, that one, fall though. under it definitely. So. Okay, getting divided is too popular for Jeff. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I, um, it's because we're, I love it's because I'm slowly but, uh, changing my my definition of big two because personally <laughs> I I believe it's no longer the big two but rather the big five. But uh, there's a lot of people that like to debate with me on that point. <laughs> I like to lug Dark Horse and Image and all of them in because I think they got lots of exposure now. But that's just that, that's just my that's just my prissy attitude about that. <laughs> I agree with you, actually. So I, I wouldn't call I wouldn't call that attitude Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to that point, with Boom or with anyone, you know, what should we be looking towards in the near future for you? What What can we keep our eyes out for? Um. Well, our trade uh, paperback comes out in April, Woo-hoo! so that'll be all four issues in one beautiful, beautiful package. April fourth, um, right? The, the cover and uh, some of the ex- little extras in there are really fun. Um, so I'm really excited for everyone to see that. Um, and hopefully hopefully, some people who haven't checked out the floppies will get a chance to check out the book. Um, so that would be awesome. Um, I have a bunch of ideas and things in development, but nothing, uh, nothing I can say yet. But uh, hopefully, hopefully some cool stuff. We'll see. So keep an eye on social media, maybe for some awesome yes. thoughts. Check me and out on Twitter. <laughs> for some awesome thoughts, only a little bit of shit talking and future exciting announcements. Exactly. Perfect. Um, I think that we are all set. Then thank you so much for chatting with us. This has been super thank fun. You guys so much. That was so much fun. I had a blast. And now I'm going to do our fancy outro. So get ready. Here here comes my radio voice. (laughs) Thank you for listening in. Our podcasts are available on iTunes and any other podcast app. And of course, on our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com. We have articles, video series, and other podcasts available for you to enjoy. And while you're there, go ahead and contact us. We would love to hear from you. You can stay updated from our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and we stream on Twitch. Intro is provided by bensound.com, and you can buy the trade paperback for Heavy Vinyl beginning April 4th and collect the four single issues at your local comic book shop. So come and join the gathering. Have a great week, and GGG! Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. So much. you. This was great. <laughs>